And um, and I would say in the end, you know, I think our biggest uh, one of our biggest enemies is the cost, right? Every safety is expensive, unfortunately, in in, in, in many uh, industries, especially in motorsport. Um, you know, every, every new regulation means changes for teams, changes to cars, uh, or or equipment that you have to buy. Um, and uh, and sometimes these don't make the car faster, or make they make the car slower. Uh, and they affect the cars in different ways, or the drivers in different ways, right? So uh, it's, it's definitely a tug of war of, of uh, you know, do, do I buy that uh, head and neck restraint, or do I buy a new set of tires uh, for the race? Uh, that that unfortunately is a is a fight that that we're always uh, uh, getting into. This is Enrique Cisneros, president of the Motorsport Safety Foundation, professional race car driver, and you're listening to Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, but you can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. This week I'm excited to bring you our first race car driver, uh, Henrique Cisneros, uh, who is a semi-professional race car driver. He's the chairman and director and president of the Motorsport Safety Foundation, co-owner and director of Momo Italy, a global automotive safety accessories company, and director at Cisneros Corporation. So, Henrique, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, Can you start off by telling us about what kind of inspired you to create the Motorsport Safety Foundation? Absolutely. First of all, thank you, Kevin, for having me on the show. Um, you know, it's it's an unfortunate uh, story, which <clears throat> I was uh, racing in what what then was the American Le Mans series, which is an endurance racing league in the United States, uh, owned by uh, IMSA, which is also the same family as NASCAR. Um, and I had a co-driver <clears throat> from England. His name is Sean Edwards. Uh, and uh, he was out coaching. Um, some students in Australia and uh, you know every country has their own set of rules for for racetracks but generally they're all governed um, uh, mostly by a a governing body named the the FIA which tends to keep uh, 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 let's say the minimum standards and checks and and as much as possible in all different countries but you know obviously it's a lot of countries a lot of racetracks Uh, unfortunately he uh, he had a student that was driving he was coaching from the passenger side we don't know whether the car had had a, a mechanical issue or what, but it ended up crashing into a, a wall at a very high speed and uh, maybe 160 miles an hour. And, you know, for any section of that track at those where you're allowed to go at those speeds, you're supposed to have, let's say, several rows of tires that will help you uh, absorb the impact uh, and, and dissipate all that energy. Um, this track only had one or two rows of tires and then concrete right behind it. Uh, unfortunately, my, my friend Sean uh, passed away in that crash. The driver survived. Um, if you would have seen the vehicle, there's no way to understand how uh, he survived. Uh, the car was completely, completely smashed. But um, And, um, you know, that experience, I, I kind of you know took a couple of steps back and, well, let me try to understand how the industry is going to react to this big accident. You know, I think that there were some obvious issues that you could see, um, you know, of why, uh, what could have been avoided in the accident and uh, kind of, you know, how, how things could improve uh, learning from from the incident. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's just kind of radio silence. Uh, there was no reaction. 
Uh, no one wanted to really address, uh, you know, the, the underlying issues of, of safety uh, in that racetrack or in general. Um, so I, I think out of frustration, really, and, 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 and in his honor, uh, you know, uh, founded the Motorsports Safety Foundation, um, you know, what's, whose mission is, is basically just to improve safety in all forms of motorsport. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very simple mission, but a, a very tough one at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And especially like you were saying, there's different standards for different countries and stuff that you're in. So to try to keep it consistent, like a consistent, you know, safety base is uh, probably a, certainly a challenge. Uh, can you like describe what that race was like that your friend was in? You said it was like an endurance race. So was it like, I mean, I'm kind of naive to the racing world. Uh, so, but... yeah, so so but his, his accident was actually at a, at a, at a coaching event so we you know they would rent out the the track and and you know you one by one you, you would coach students you know and, and and coach them how to race and, and how to be uh, better drivers etc but the, the, the type of racing we would do um would be racing uh for example 24 hours of daytona uh 24 hours of daytona we go to the daytona raceway and we would do one race for 24 hours uh usually you share the car three to five drivers uh, you know, you do 20 to 30 pit stops during the race. The car is always running. Um, and, uh, it's, 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 you know, whoever completes the most rap, the most laps, uh, in 24 hours wins. Right. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the format for, for this race series would be, you know, 24 hour races, 12 hour races, uh, 10 hours, six hours, you know, they're all, uh, very large team, uh, driven events. Uh, you know, the, the uh, crew teams are 20 to 30 people. Usually uh, you have engineers doing uh, strategy and engineers working on your car. I mean, it's a very much a, a team sport um, rather than, you know, most people conceive racing as, a, you know, one driver, one car. I mean, you know, this is definitely um, the opposite of that, right? It's right. Like, you know. Cool. So I'm sorry for the loss of your friend. And I, I know you, you were trying to you were inspired to try to prevent accidents like that from happening. And you, you had mentioned that there was uh, a lack of tires in, in the barrier to kind of dissipate the, the impact. Um, is there anything else that, that came from that crash that possibly could have prevented uh, the death of your friend? Yeah, I think that, so in general, uh, there's, you can always do more. Uh, and, and the way it usually works with a lot of racetracks that you see in the past Whenever an accident happens, it usually leads to, let's say, a change perhaps in that area, right? So if someone hits a wall and, and the wall was uh, uh, at an angle where it deflected them to another wall, for example, sometimes you see people, they'll move that uh, wall a little bit to change the angle. Or if there's a sharp edge, they'll remove the sharp edge. Um, so, you know, usually with, with race cars, you know, the, obviously heavy, heavy vehicles traveling at very high speeds are very hard to stop. First right. and foremost, right? Uh, doing when you're doing 160 or 180 at a racetrack, and you're at 3,000 pounds, it's a runaway train at, with at that speed. So uh, a lot of times you'll see them on a racetrack. They'll, you know, after the pavement, they'll have what they call, you know, kitty litter or sand or pebbles, uh, and and it's supposed to be like a, a a dense, soft sand that's supposed to make the vehicle plow into it to slow it down before it, it, it arrives to any barriers. Uh, and the barriers is your last uh, kind of your last uh, uh, line of defense to stop yeah. you, right? Uh, in the meantime, you're trying to slow that vehicle down as much as possible. That has its inherent risk as well, and nothing is perfect. Sometimes, depending on the vehicle, as the vehicle gets into this kitty litter, 
you know, you can you can maybe uh, plow too much and then it, it puts the car into a roll, right? Or if you're spinning into it, uh, you know, obviously if you're driving straight into it, it's fine, but you know, you never know. It's there's too many variables to know what what is the right mix. So you always try to add and take away uh, elements depending on the on the corner. Uh, but in the end, what always usually uh, does the most damage is the impact, right? So I think what you always want to focus on is is how do you dissipate that impact? Uh, how do you slow the car down in as much distance as possible so that the G-forces uh, don't spike, right? Similar to, to any other uh, sports, uh, one of the, the biggest dangers is what happens to your brain in a, in a, in a crash, right? So you want to make sure that that impact uh, or that spike in G-forces as low as possible. Okay. Uh, in motorsports, obviously the inherent risk is largely speed. And I did an pr- interview a few months ago uh, with a guy from the high fives foundation. And it's all about like winter sports safety. So like skiing, snowboarding and right. speed is one of the five critical mistakes that people make that lead to their severe accidents or life changing accidents. So obviously speed is something that you can't really take out of the sport of motorsport racing. So how does motorsports as, as a sport kind of, uh, try to mitigate some of that inherent risk and speed, like whether is it through equipment, rules, systems, like inspections or safety personnel on, on staff? What's like generally the the approach to safety? Yeah, it, 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 it all has to work as a system, right? I mean, uh, definitely there's been amazing advances in, in equipment, uh, you know, from, from fire uh, suppression to actually, uh, you know, we, we all wear... Uh, uh, fireproof clothing, uh, which you know every, every year will give us more and more seconds in a fire without actually getting uh, uh, burnt. Um, helmet uh, technology is getting much, much, much better. Um, there is a, a, a device called uh, head and neck restraint. Uh, one of the most popular brands is called Hans, um, and and those were to prevent basilar skull fractures. So you know people were crashing in and in, in, uh, in a high-speed impact their heads were whiplashing forward and what what took a very long time to understand is when you whiplash that hard you're you're actually cracking the uh, the, the base of your skull it's called the base of the skull fracture um, so a Hans device is something that tethers your helmet to your shoulders basically through your seat belts so that when you whiplash forward the your head only goes a couple inches instead of you know uh, 12 or 14, 15 16 inches right um, so that's inside the cockpit, right? Obviously, the vehicles get better every year. The, 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 the way they absorb and impact, the way they're now meant to destroy themselves, right, to kind of dissipate that energy. Um, and then, obviously, the racetracks themselves, right, the, the types of barriers they're using. Um, traditionally, we started with hay bales. Uh, hay bales then turned to, you know, the uh, tires, and then it went into ways of um, placing those tires together in ways that, that dissipate the energy better. And then now we start seeing a NASCAR and Indy in the oval circuits in the United States, um, barriers called impact, uh, 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 safer barriers. And safer barriers are these barriers that basically behind the steel structure are these big foam cores that absorb the energy when a car hits. Uh, all these, uh, again, all these together uh, are saving lives without a doubt. Okay. Um, so how does the more Motorsport Safety Foundation specifically aim to kind of address some of these issues that we've brought up? So I think first and foremost, uh, education is, is, is very important. Um, 
you know, I think ignorance is bliss usually. And then race car drivers is a, it's a, you know, it's a very macho industry. Uh, uh, it's a specific personality of a person that wants to get in a car and go as fast as possible and is addicted to, to the rush and the, the speed and, and the adrenaline, uh, where, you know, safety is not something usually you focus on. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's actually educating drivers on what really are the risks and how easy it is to, to have a fatal accident. Um, you know, drivers, for example, aren't wearing these, uh, head and neck restraints. Uh, you know, they don't know that at just 40 miles an hour, which is probably the slowest corner that, that, that I do in motorsport is probably at 40, 45 miles an hour, uh, crashing at that speed, uh, can kill you, uh, through a base or skull fracture. If, if it's the wrong uh, angle and, and the wrong impact, right? Um, so it's, it's educating drivers on, on the importance of wearing these devices, how they work. No one really understands how they work, or in general, they don't understand how they work um, and why it's important to wear them. Um, so that's always you know, an important part. Just get to the drivers first, who are the actual people in, 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 uh, in, in danger. Um, but then on the, on the other part, it's, it's working with the industry. It's... it's uh, it's uh, sharing best practices. It's it's helping push through uh, new rules and regulations that we know are proven uh, to be safer in, in, in other areas of motorsport into 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 new new areas of motorsport. Um, and um, and I would say in the end, you know, I think our biggest uh, one of our biggest enemies is the cost. Right? Every safety is expensive, unfortunately, in in in, in many. Uh, industries especially in motorsport uh, you know every, every new regulation means changes for teams changes to cars uh or or equipment that you have to buy um and uh and sometimes these don't make the car faster or maybe they make the car slower uh and they affect the cars in different ways or the drivers in different ways right so uh, it's, it's definitely a tug of war of of uh you know do, do i buy that uh, head and neck restraint or do i buy a new set of tires uh for the race uh that that unfortunately is a is a fight that, that we're always uh, uh, getting into. Well, I guess it's uh, the question of, do you want to race tomorrow or do you never want to race again? <laughs> yes, but it's, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're very short-sighted uh, individuals in race cars. Oh, all and athletes that, are, yeah. Yeah, so, but, but it's, it's, all, it's all a chain reaction. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's promoters out there and race organizers that argue that increasing safety standards will increase the cost for the competitors, right, that, you know, in whatever way. Therefore, you know, you can cause some competitors to compete in less events due to the cost of safety equipment, right? And then the promoter has less competitors and they lose money. Right. And it's a, you know, chicken and the egg. Uh, uh, yeah, what comes see, first, exactly. What comes first, right? Yes, yes, we need them there racing the next time, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a constant struggle. Yeah, I know you, you, you mentioned the Hans device or the head restraint, and that, that became like more popular with race car drivers after uh, Dale Earnhardt, right, after his death? Absolutely. It, that could have saved his life? Absolutely. Well, it, it, it could have. We, we don't know, right? But, right. Uh, but he, he definitely uh, uh, succumbed to those injuries, and uh, it, it, it was uh, – that was an example, let's say, of a very unfortunate incident that in the end uh, caused change. Uh, and and push new 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 regulation and and, and new technology into the sport um, and uh, and yeah and and nowadays you know in many series they are uh, a, a form of head and neck restraint is is mandatory. You'd be surprised 
it's still the majority of race uh, leagues that do not require it or it's not mandatory. It's still optional. Uh, we're still seeing uh, and, and, and some of these devices, you know, can go from $600 to $1,200. Right. So so for, for a person who doesn't understand how that works or why they need to wear it, you know, all of a sudden uh, a, a league is going to say, hey, not, now you need to, you know, the, they get upset. It's like, well, $1,200, that's, that's a lot of money. Again, several sets of tires or a new race seat or, or whatever it is that I needed for the car. And uh, and now I'm being forced to 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 use this. Right. So that that kind of led us to to one of our initiatives that we did is uh, is an initiative called Race with Restraint. And, and what we're doing is we're setting up uh, rental kiosks at racetracks uh, where a driver can then actually rent it for the day or for the weekend. Right. For, so for 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 twenty five dollars, instead of paying the twelve hundred dollars to, to buy it, uh, you know, you can go and you can rent it. Uh, you're kind of trying to find ways to take the excuse away from drivers to take the excuse away from from teams and say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put the kiosk here, rent it, drive with it and then just hand it back. You know, we'll inspect it and make sure it's in good condition. And um, so that's what one of our initiatives based on, on on kind of that logic. Really cool. And since we're on the topic of the discussion of uh, Dale Earnhardt, you know, you said that a lot of safety you know regulations kind of came into play after that. But how does the sport, how does motorsport kind of try to be on the cutting edge of safety to prevent those things from happening in the first place as opposed to waiting for something bad to happen and then then making a fix after that? Because I, I ask that because I feel like the NFL does, that's how the NFL approaches things. It's like basically they're waiting for someone to die on the field before they'll like make a significant change in health and safety. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate truth, I think, and um... – you know, I think when you see the the, the, the top professional uh, leagues in sports, right, the, the, the NFL or Formula One in racing, et cetera, I mean, you're talking about the tip of the iceberg, right? You're talking about uh, uh, a, a couple thousand people as compared to hundreds of thousands of people that play the sport, right? However, they have the funding. They have the, the, the ability to, to have these, uh, at least the leagues do, right, and, and the sanctioning bodies do. Uh, and should uh, uh, kind of push the development of, of technology in this because it's not going to happen uh, anywhere below. Um, but yeah, you see it. And you see it. I, I mean, I, I, we're seeing a lot in, in NFL and 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 the conversation about um, uh, concussions, right? And 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 you know, I've I've seen it personally in in schools about. And I, I never witnessed these conversations uh, ten years ago about uh, you know parents saying I'm, I'm not going to allow my kids to play. Because there's these in kind of, you know, with through technology and through research, you're starting to see the development of how a concussion can lead to several more uh, issues, uh, health issues down the line and, and, and how bad it really is. Right. It wasn't really understood before. I think we're starting to understand. Um, but the investment in the technology still hasn't caught up. Right. Right. Um, Back and, to that money uh, thing you said before. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, you know, and again, imagine. It's it's if 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 a new I know I remember seeing uh, a while back there's a helmet uh, uh, for football I believe called the zero one yeah Vices is the company right. and, yeah and uh, you know so the way that helmet worked is is you know I think football helmets are kind of just meant to redirect the energy right but you're still getting the the brunt of the impact and they found a way to allow your head to kind of rotate inside the helmet when you're getting hit. And that would help kind of absorb the energy better. It wouldn't get, uh, uh, you know, in the end, it wouldn't lead to your brain sloshing around in your head as much. Um, so, 
imagine tomorrow they say, okay, that's the, that's the new mandatory helmet. It can be optional as well, but the, the, you know, it's the new mandatory helmet. <laughs> First of all, the, the, the company that makes it is not going to have enough production. <laughs> right. Right. How do you, I don't know how many football players are registered in the United States, but imagine how many helmets that need to be changed. Imagine the uh, the investment that needs to be made by every single team, yeah, every it, single middle middle league, uh, middle school, high school team, uh, obviously college and professional, which is less of an impact than a professional. But yeah, and, the, and those helmets, teams. those helmets are like 1500 bucks too, compared to the other helmet makers are like 500, which is still a lot of money, but you're like, yeah, you make this helmet mandatory. It's 1500 bucks. Like you're, that's a barrier to entry for sure. But it's proven, it's proven to possibly, uh, save your, 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 your brain, save your life potentially. Right. Right. Uh, what's the price on your life? Like you said, we, we, it's the same argument that in motorsports, like, Oh wait, well, yeah, what's, I want to race the next day. Or I want to play football the next day. Or I want to go to keep going to school, right? If if you're losing your your short term memory, right? Uh, uh, you know, fifteen hundred dollars for for potentially your high school, college, or professional career, right? Yeah. So so you're impressed by the science behind that zero one helmet? Uh, yeah, I think I I I'd say I applaud uh, about thinking outside the box, right? And and again, football helmets, yes, they started leather, or they started with no helmets, right? And and it evolved. Right. Uh, uh, this is finally a fresh, a fresh take on on everything, um, which is going to lead to it. And and um, I think there's another company, uh, S S G Helmets, which is actually uh, was working with uh, Bill Simpson, who's a very famous uh, uh, person in the motorsport industry. Uh, has owned several companies uh, there around uh, safety products, and he helped them develop a, a kind of similar technology, grabbing from technology from motorsport right so you know from the highest levels of motorsport there's a lot of investment in in helmet technology because you are receiving uh you know high speed impacts of car parts debris you name it as well as you know roll cages whatever and and i think that what he was able to do with them for four football helmets was uh you know kind of bringing the technology of carbon kevlar how to use carbon how to reduce the weight weight is a huge enemy when it comes to to, to hitting things, uh, uh, you, you want to have your, your neck as light as possible. Uh, how to absorb the impact versus uh, kind of, you know, uh, take the brunt of it. So uh, I, I think that's a good example of crossover from motorsport to football. Um, and, you know, I, and I think that that's the, the most important thing is how do you take uh, uh, little things that you learn from different sports those best practices and, and try to implement them, right? Exactly, yeah. That's what we're trying to do right here with this conversation. Uh, so kind of while we're on the topic of like evolution of sports and evolution of football, obviously people, the argument in football is that all oh, the guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger equipment's getting better. So they feel safer to hit harder and you know, they, they rely on their equipment more. I'm, I'm assuming that it's kind of the same thing in motorsport, right? Like the cars are getting faster, the technology is getting better and safer, but does that push people to a limit where they, they push themselves too far and it makes it actually more dangerous than, than it is? Well, that's a, it's a, a never ending, uh, yeah, debate, cycle. Yeah. Right? Uh, so I argue, and, and this is what we argue in the foundation is the safer the track is, the safer the equipment, the better the racing. You're going to have drivers that are going to push harder. They're going to go faster. They're going to take more, let's say, risk on maneuvers and on passing. And, and it's going to lead to, in the end, racing is, is also a show, right, like any sport. Uh, so you're going to have a better show if 
you feel safer that when you have that accident, when you go off track or when you go into a wall, you know for a fact that it's it's a much higher technology in that uh, wall that's going to save you, right? Uh, you know, then there's the other side that's saying, no, the, the exciting uh, part about racing is the risk, is the fact that someone might uh, get injured, uh, right? Uh, and so, you know, having tracks that are, you know, they, they call them kind of sterile, uh, uh, you know, takes the excitement away, which I, 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 you know, disagree wholeheartedly with, but, right. um, you know, sa- same thing with football, right? Uh, yeah, you know. exactly. So. so we talked a lot about crashes. Um, but what are some of the other dangers in motorsport that people don't necessarily think about? I know like fire, maybe injuries to spectators, the crew. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's all of the above and, and, you know, I, I, I think first and foremost, concussion is a is a huge uh, issue that that uh, more sport in general is is just starting to come around to. Um, yet we still don't have uh, many of the uh, tests that should be done uh, before and after accidents to to, you know, clear, clear like, like, like uh, concussion protocol. Yeah, I see yeah what concussion saying. protocol like in motorsport. Uh, there's a. a uh, one that's that's trying to become popular which is called the impact test yep uh you know which which kind of just it's a neurocognitive kind of baseline about your your you know how, how you respond to to memory and and shapes and 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 just you know there's a whole set of questions that kind of provides how your brain functions on a normal baseline and then after the accident uh you know until you get within a certain level uh they won't clear you again to race that that it happens in a tiny tiny percentage if if not only at the top level of racing um but for example that's a that's a huge area of of investment that that we're looking at is is um g load sensors and rotational sensors inside helmets uh and inside your you know and on your your person in general to to detect when you've peaked in an accident right? right um i think uh spectators are still getting hurt today often um, it leads to changes again. Anytime a spectator gets hurt, that you know, okay, well now now we got to make some changes. Those changes could be multi-million dollars sometimes. A lot of tracks they can't pay for it, you know. And and uh, uh, you know things like catch fencing. So so in NASCAR you see vehicles, and in Indy we've seen several vehicles how they kind of fly off track and they're going so fast that they they'll catch air. They'll go into the fencing, right? Sometimes debris gets through that fence and will hit spectators. So that's obviously a big problem and. Uh, they're, you know, we're uh, always working on new high impact, high speed impact fencing for, 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 for fans. Um, and you know, you want to, you want to have, it's, it's a spectator sport. You want to have them as close as possible to the danger. You want them to have as close as possible to the noise, to the fumes, to, to everything. But, uh, you know, the cars are going 200 miles an hour. Right. Uh, a, a, a tiny pebble that can fly off a car. It, 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 it can severely hurt you. Right. They can take an eye out, et cetera. It's going fast. Yeah. It's going fast. It's going to hurt you, right? Um, and and you know you think about a, a sports stadium like football or soccer or, or baseball, you're you're generally pretty far away from from the action. And motorsport, they'll they'll put you right on the very very edge. Right. Uh, you know, you if if it weren't for the fence, you could you know touch the the vehicles. Um, so that's always a big risk that we're looking at. Um, obviously, fire. Listen, fire in motorsport has always been. Uh, 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 a big part of of, the, of its history of, of fatalities. Um, uh, my my friend Sean Edwards, unfortunately, his vehicle caught on fire as well when when they crashed. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's advances in in the, the the products that you wear. Um, 
that provide 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12 seconds of time that you can spend in the fire before you, you really start getting burnt. And that's just enough time for you to unbuckle if you're conscious, right? Unbuckle right. yourself. Uh, you have lots of straps. You have uh, air hoses sometimes. You have water hoses connected to you. You have all these kind of cables that are coming yeah. out, tubes that, that, you know, it takes a long time to get there, especially when you're disoriented. So uh, you got to be able to to properly uh, get out in a hurry. Uh, fuel bladder uh, safety cells are called. So within the fuel tank, so basically almost a bulletproof fuel tank, and inside you have one or two or three bladders that contain the fuel uh, so that in the impact it won't leak, right? So, um, you know, all these things are, are, are things that we're looking at. For example, we're looking at really cool technology right now with the foundation that um, – it's basically a sensor that you put in the seat, and from a distance, it can detect already through through your electrical currents in your body, your heart rate, your respiration, and it can tell whether you're conscious or not, depending on 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 your your rhythms, etc. So when an accident happens, you know you can alert the the safety crew what your status is. Uh, you know how critical are you? to kind of determine then what the appropriate reaction to getting to that uh, driver is. Right, get there uh, now. <laughs> get there now, you know, take, let's say, you know, because you, you have to, you know, your cars are going fast, you need to stop the vehicles, you need to get everyone under control, right? You need to divert them away from, from the accident. And then, you know, because then the, the, the safety marshals, safety personnel, you know, they're, they're putting themselves in, harm way, in harm's way, right? They got to get out of vehicles. They're no longer protected. And they got to then rush to a car, which potentially another car can come in. And we've seen it happen, unfortunately, where other cars lose control. There's oil on the track, uh, you name it, and they can get hit. But if, if, if a car's on fire, again, you have eight seconds. Sometimes it takes 20 seconds to get everyone under control, right? Right. Um, so you can see how that can get very complicated very quickly. For sure. Uh, I've kind of come to learn that just based off of our conversation that danger equals fun in a lot of ways for the spectators, for the athletes and like when you think about football obviously the danger like element of getting crushed and getting hurt or in baseball having a 95 mile an hour fastball get thrown at your face you know race racing obviously like fast fast as you can so all these things are you know this danger equals fun kind of thing and we talked a little bit earlier about kind of the the culture of masculinity in uh, motorsport, and I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit more about that culture and, you know, the culture of toughness and continuing to push or to to race concussed or whatever. Like, like, can you kind of talk about that culture? <clears throat> Absolutely. I I think that, you know, and 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 being in racing and seeing all the different generations that are involved, I can definitely say that the younger generation is is seeing things differently. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a millennial thing or, or what, but I think that there's definitely a different approach now uh, where uh, I think that uh, the way uh, people are, are being raised now, that culture of masculinity is, is less prevalent, I think. Uh, I think definitely in the current uh, generations and the older generations in racing, 100%. It's, it's, uh, it's about, it's about uh, taming that danger right and, and controlling it and, and being that very macho and 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 which leads to poor decisions right when you're making decisions based on 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 ego or on on masculinity etc it's it's never going to be for your safety right um, yeah that's, uh, that's so, another so again one. it's 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 you know i think it's about understanding the athlete 
and what personality that, that athlete has. And I think it's it, it needs to come down to the sanctioning bodies and the leagues to make those decisions for them that in a way that you, know, you got to force the athletes to then be to a certain standard of safety in whatever way it may be. Um, to make it optional, I think, is always a, a bad decision. Uh, if it's proven, if there's something that's proven, then you know it's going to make uh, something safer for an athlete. Right. That, that's one of the other uh, five critical mistakes from the High Fives Foundation is ego over intuition, which is what you just talked about. Right. Uh, so what about the millennials makes you think that this kind of culture is shifting a little bit? Like what, what are they doing that makes you think that? Again, I'm not sure if it's, uh, I guess, the evolution and, and, you know, I don't want to get into a gender discussion here, but uh, <laughs> it's a dangerous, dangerous territory. I'm not, I'm not prepared to talk about that, but I do feel that, that uh, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, uh, the kids are growing up in the classroom uh, and, 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 and they're being encouraged to see things differently. They're being encouraged to, to not kind of fall into this, uh, uh, you know, there's only one macho way to do things and you got to, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, I think they're encouraged to see things as differently as they want, and uh, and maybe be more comfortable with decisions that go against the the, the traditional way. Let's say so. Uh, I think that maybe you know they they have more courage to say, well, no, I I do you know I think safety is cool, right? Or 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 just to to look at things in a different manner. Uh, I think I'm seeing that we're seeing that, for example, in Formula One. Uh, you know, all the very young drivers, those drivers are 17, 18, 19 years old. And they're they're very very young athletes driving at the top of a motorsport, uh, you know, and you'll, you'll see kind of the answer, uh, they'll ask all the drivers a simple question of, you know, should we, uh, there was a discussion about putting a co- like an F1 style cockpit over uh, these Formula One cars, similar to Indy cars as well. Uh, do we put a cockpit over the car that protects the driver in case there is debris uh, or even in a crash, right? Uh, and you would see kind of the old school guys and even the guys that are already retired saying you're ruining the sport. You know, it's called open wheel for a reason. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be sterile to watch. But then as you go down the line and you see the younger guys are like, yeah, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fighter pilot car and looks awesome. And, uh, yeah, well, I don't want to die out there either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're not, I think they're not afraid to say it. Um, but, but again, it's interesting. I mean, it, it takes a while. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I think we're all stubborn at heart, and no, and, yeah, uh, sports that, that, take 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 uh, generations to change. Yeah, that was that was a great answer. Uh, since starting the Motorsport Safety Foundation, have you gotten any kind of kickback from that old school mentality? Because you're kind of embracing, you know, a, a newer mentality, possibly. Oh, absolutely, uh, all, all all the time. I mean, we're we're there's nothing more fun than uh, than. Uh, 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 putting a decision up on, on social media, on Facebook or, or Instagram, whatever it may be, and just sitting back and watching the comments of, of both sides. Uh, uh, people are passionate about sports. They're passionate about their teams. Uh, uh, that's why I love uh, being in this industry and any sports industry for that is, is the passion that everyone has. But, but in the end, that's a good thing. It leads to debate. It leads to conversation. And, and in the end, it leads to having it top of mind, right? Nothing better than two passionate sides going at it. Uh, in the end, you're talking about the issue, which uh, is is a win in my book. For sure, I like it. Uh, what crashes have you personally been involved in? No, I I personally haven't been involved in uh, very severe crashes, um, but I have uh, been in two, two bad crashes that I think that let's say they were they were hard enough to move a 
uh, uh, one of those big concrete highway dividers, uh, like 10 or 15 feet. Um, I had a, it was, this was a 12 hours of Seabrink race. It's a very famous race in Florida. Um, and, uh, I had a throttle stick at full throttle, uh, right before a corner. I was supposed to, you know, in, in racing, you're either full throttle or full brake. There's no in between, you know, and, uh, and between the full throttle and full brake, you have to brake and, and 100 feet to make a corner or 50 feet to make a corner. When I went to the brakes, I felt as if I had a, a, a you know, tow truck behind me pushing me. I look in my mirror, you know, who's, who's pushing me, who's behind me? And I, I realized uh, it was a 90-degree corner, and I realized, oh, no, my, my throttle is stuck. I was going maybe 120 miles an hour at that point. And, uh, and but this is a 90-degree corner. There's maybe 40 feet of runoff and then just a wall. I went straight into that wall at full speed. I mean, I tried to clutch. I tried to brake. There's nothing I could do. The car was, was it's, again, it's a runaway train. Uh, even if you turn at that speed, the, the tires don't respond because you're going too fast. For, you have to slow down for the tires to grip. Um, very, very fortunately, this was a, one of the tracks that, that is highly funded. It was one of the, you know, the most well-known tracks in the United States where I had, I think, maybe six rows of tires before, before the concrete. Uh, wall and uh and you know I, I i chewed right through all those tires it was a very hard hit uh something around 80 g's or something like that but everything worked seatbelts worked uh, the helmet uh hans device worked the car really really got crushed and absorbed the impact well and then the barrier again it's 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 seeing how all these different advances in in motorsport have kept me completely safe i i you know uh uh, I could have raced the next day, let's say, right? Right. Uh, most other tracks, that would not have been the case. You would have been, I think, severely hurt at that speed. That's got to be scary because that's like a, that's something you can't even control. You know, you said that you've been able to kind of avoid some of the severe crashes, but is that your approach to racing? Like, do you take a more conservative approach, or is that like the opposite of racing mentality? Like, it's not. You can't be conservative if you, if you want to win. So, so you know, it's it's interesting that uh, uh, question. Um, I I personally analyze racetracks because I have the knowledge of what should be there as far as minimum standards to know, and and I know that there are some race leagues that race a certain racetrack. I I choose not to. Uh, I'm in the less than one percent. I would say that does that because there's there's no way of doing it. Um, that's led to an interesting debate that we've had and and a program that we wanted to do at one point, uh, which is a kind of a simple track analyzing program where you know you can plug in the variables that you have let's say uh, uh, uh to simplify let's say you have a 90 degree corner uh and the vehicles can you know the the the, the straight going into that corner you can reach speeds of 100 miles an hour at a 3,000 pound car you know that to survive that corner right let's say you need a minimum of 20 feet of that kitty litter I was telling you about and six rows of tires to reduce the impact enough where if I went straight off, I would survive or, or, or have a better chance of surviving if I had these minimum kind of uh, uh, safety barriers to dissipate that energy. If you have less than that, you know that you can peak, depending on the car, you can peak at a higher G where, you know, you can start getting concussions or start getting hurt or start breaking bones or, or worse. That's yeah, a cool um, idea. So, and it could be a very simple thing where, you know, you, you analyze the track and you say per every corner, you put in the speed, you put in the type of vehicle, and it says you need a minimum of X, Y, Z or combination of, right? Because you have longer runoff, 
then it, you know, you have more time to slow a vehicle down, but you have a shorter runoff, then you're going to need more uh, tires, depending on what that uh, mix is. Um, so again, it's, it's a matter of using technology. Technology is going to save everyone uh, in, in, in sports and it's going to lead to all these advances. But uh, it's an example of, of ways that, that, that I think uh, that we can do it so it's easier for everyone to do it. Or call it even a, uh, a registry of racetrack. Uh, you know, we'll go, we'll analyze every racetrack and we'll, 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 we'll make it public information. Cool. Uh, we can go, you can see, and, and kind of give a, a Yelp rating of racetracks. Uh, what, what, is, what, what are the fire... Uh, installed fire uh, suppression like is there a medical facility uh, you know is there it you know a paramedic always on call uh, how close is a you know level two trauma you know all these different aspects that can give a track let's say a overall safety rating so. yeah that's cool it's thinking outside the box just like we said before yeah. uh, so let's get into your your job at momo uh, can you kind of talk about the influence that safety has in, in the product development at that company? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've owned Momo for, for five years and, and Momo now is a, it's a group of several uh, uh, companies. We're, we're nine companies uh, together, uh, many uh, uh, American wheel brands. And, uh, you know, we, we have brands uh, called Weld, which is in the drag racing world, for example. So we're, we're in the 300 plus mile an hour dragsters. Uh, you know, going down to motorsport as well in the in the road racing and off road. So we're in a little bit of everything. Um, each type of motorsport has very different specific demands, right? And it's uh, how do we understand those specific uh, demands in those uh, uh, environments to make product for that? Um, so you know, I think that being in now involved in Motorsport Safety Foundation and and with the knowledge that we're gaining. We're trying to get always, let's say, never skip, never skimp on safety. Uh, always go for if you have m materials that are fire resistant, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 seconds. Don't even offer the 8 second. Let, let other people offer that. Just go for the 12 second lasting material or higher. It's going to be a higher price point sometimes, yes, but it's a matter of, of, of uh, you know, setting uh, or putting your foot down or drawing a line on, on, on how you want to have the safest product possible. Yeah, setting a standard. Yeah. And the standard, right? Uh, and I'm not saying that that the other ones are, you know, a lower standard is lower standard. And as a brand, we don't want to stand for that, right? So, um, you know, it's little things like that. And 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 in the end, though, um, I think that what what we lack in general as as an industry is is that uh, uh, access to that uh, technology and that and that uh, the resource to really do R and D as a as a collective. Right. Uh, how do we join all the different companies together and say, guys, you know what? We should give X percentage of our of our revenue uh, to safety. And it will have a third party do it. Uh, it could be the Morseport Safety Foundation, for that matter, or anyone else. That, that let's focus on these issues and, and advance it. Um, and uh, having that kind of approach is very time consuming uh, and, and expensive for for one company to do. Um, so, you know, it's it's it, for me, it's more on the side of the Morseport Safety Foundation. How, how do we how do we. Uh, speed up the the development process uh you know through 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 having these relationships with, with other other manufacturers really cool uh so we kind of touched on this before what can other sports learn from safety initiatives in motorsport do you think like what's like the top one that you think could be translated to other sports to make them safer i mean i i really like uh where we're going with uh 
concussion study and prevention uh, using sensors. Um, you know, in IndyCar, uh, for example, the the uh, um, the earphones that drivers wear, you know, where they talk with, with through the radio, have uh, G sensors integrated into them. They have heart rate sensors in, integrated to them. They're starting to gather a lot of data that's just going to lead to a better understanding of what happens in an accident, what happens during impact, what happens during stress. Uh, in the end, when you're in a race car, you're, you're putting your body under all sorts of stress. Uh, obviously, the, the emotional stress from the racing and the adrenaline, you have very high element of heat, and then you have the impacts and the fires and you name it. So it's how do we implement technology and be able to analyze that data to, to lead to a conclusion of, of what should be changed or what can be better? Um, I think we're starting to see that in football. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it, but there's a lot of uh, uh, hesitation, right? They don't want to put sensors in, in the helmets because they know how many people they're going to start taking out of every game. Right. We know what, what those limits are in, in concussion. And all of a sudden, if you start losing five or six or seven players in a game because they peaked, then it's, oh, no, the sensor was broken or, you know, that data's wrong or, you know, can you imagine that? Yeah, it's also a, uh, a collectively bargained thing, you know. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So I, 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 more sports are starting to take those steps. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how, how it would trickle down. But, again, I think sensors are, are, are the next big thing. We're working on a lot of sensors for, for, for helmets and for the body, as I mentioned, that I think, uh, you know, over the next 10 years will we'll make very big changes in, in the safety of our, of our athletes. I uh, would love to see that trickle down to other sports as well. Um, yeah, I think it's you know, trending that way. Yeah, uh, but I think it's again. It's, it's going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a generation. So, what what are some key ingredients to building a culture of safety throughout a team, league, or a, or a sport? Um, the way I've seen it, I think is is consistency is key, and and how you approach it, and let's say the briefings before and after uh, any any game or or race or anything like that. Uh, I think safety has to be part of the conversation. Uh, and the specific elements of safety have to be talked. You need to be, have o- open discussions about it, um, and and being able to see that approach to the the safety and everywhere you go needs to be uh, the same. If if it's inconsistent, then you know it, it tends to waver, right? Um, I think the the league and and the sanctioning body has to make it a priority. Um, again, don't don't put the decision in the in the in the in the hands of the athlete. Do it for them, uh, for their well-being in the end, and for them to be uh, uh, present for, for the next game or the next race. Um, cool. yeah, I think that's basically it. That's just you know the consistency is key and everything. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's great. Uh, as we kind of wrap up the interview here, um, it seems like you're obviously very immersed in motorsport, uh, but based off of some of my past interviews and stuff and my own experience, it's kind of dangerous at times to be so laser focus on one thing and i'm just talking about like life after your career so what hobbies do you have outside of motorsport that kind of give you that uh release every once in a while oh man i I like to say that i collect hobbies um but (laughs) so i do a lot of hobbies that have to do with again kind of type a uh, racer so i do a lot of kite surfing um, a lot, a lot of surfing as well. And, and, uh, lately I got into, uh, motorized paragliding and motorized paragliding. That's where you have the paraglider, which is a parachute where, uh, traditionally you go off mountains right? and you, and you soar like a bird, but I've attached a, uh, a propeller on my back. What? Uh, 
So, so you can do it without mountains. So I, I live in Miami and I can take off from the beach in Miami and, uh, you know, skim the water, uh, uh, with my, with my feet in it, you know, with a parachute or, or, you know, soar up to 15,000 feet. And, uh, that's, that's my latest, uh, hobby that I've been focusing on. So it's, uh, it can be, it can be very relaxing and, and stress relieving, or you can, you know, do acrobatics and, and kind of push the, the, the limits as well. So that's what I like about it. Depends how, on your mood. How'd you get into that? Uh, I, I always say bad luck because anytime I get into these hobbies, I start getting, <laughs> I start getting very obsessed with them. But, okay. uh, you know, typical thing I saw, uh, our brothers and I, we saw someone doing it, uh, you know, never seen it before. And uh, I was like, well, that, that looks amazing. Let's, let's, let's check it out. And, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, obscure kind of, uh, niche hobby, but I think it's growing very quickly. It's uh, probably the cheapest, uh, uh, form of aviation and the simplest. It's just an engine and your parachute. And you run, and, and off you go. I have to try to get yeah. some some pictures of that to throw in my, oh, blog, my blog post. I'll, I'll send you some videos. So you, you'll, you'll, get a, you'll get a kick out of it. I'll send you some videos of uh, some flying I've done in, in the summer. So. That'd be and awesome. I'm actually, we're, we're going up uh, Massachusetts next week to see uh, the, the, the leaves change for fall foliage. So we do some flights there. We'll get some great footage out of that. Oh, really cool. It's a good idea. Let's get some good Instagrams out of that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what are some of the Motorsport Safety Foundation's initiatives that we didn't touch upon that you would like to talk about and also how people can support these initiatives? Sure. I mean, uh, first and foremost, we're, we're a nonprofit, right? So we, we do rely on everyone's uh, generous donations. Um, you know, we, we try to f- find ways to do it where we're self-sufficient. Uh, I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's we're, we're up against a lot of tough uh, uh, foundations that, that I think are, are it's, let's, let's just say it's hard to donate, uh, to, to people who are spending money on, on doing dangerous things, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Or for their sake, let's say, rather than a relief effort or, yeah, it's not or cancer. illness yeah. or, you know, I think when, when you look at the list of, of, of items that uh, what people want to donate to is tough. So we, we tend to focus on, uh, being self-sustaining, uh, uh, doing things that, that, that will hopefully, uh, provide uh, revenue for the company and or we'll try to find stakeholders in the industry. So uh, makers of, of, of uh, safety equipment and we'll try to get them to donate uh, for specific uh, equipment, a percentage of their revenues, et cetera. Right. Cause it, it's hard to convince someone, Hey, do- donate to this guy who wants to, uh, you know, jump trucks. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, which I also do as well. And it's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think some of the uh, initiatives we haven't touched on is, uh, so one of the things we're, we're doing is an initiative called Certified. And in Certified, what we do is we try to um, certify to a, a minimum basic standard all the instructors that instruct uh, uh, new and up-and-coming drivers of what the minimum standard should be, uh, how to instruct, what are the safety uh, minimums that they should be teaching. We're trying to give everyone uh, 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 the same language basically, uh, so that there is a consistency in, in, in teaching the students. Uh, what ends up happening, there's a lot of uh, leagues out there, there's a lot of sanctioning bodies, and drivers tend to jump from one to the other. And it's very inconsistent in what they've learned and what they perceive to be the, the, you know, the minimum uh, rules, etc. So uh, through Certified, we're certifying instructors, and we're also certifying um, the, the, the schools themselves to, to train the instructors, right? So we're, we're training the trainers. Um, and that we're taking to another step uh, this year as well, is which is uh, training the marshals and the safety personnel. Uh, so these are all online courses, which then also have a, a classroom component. So in the online courses, we, you know, they see the videos and, 
you know, for the marshals as an example. Okay, there's a there's a crash. What are the steps that you take leading up to that crash? Uh, you know, uh, what w- what should be kind of that that uh, like, like a pilot? What's that checklist checklist you have to do to make sure that you're safe as a marshal before you put yourself in danger? And then what are the steps you take with the driver with you know safety in general? So that best best practices that we want to get out right consistency back to consistency, consistency. back yeah. to consistency back to seeing everyone execute at the highest possible level because uh, in the end there's a life on the line yep. right we also have this initiative uh called ice and ice uh standing for in case of emergency and uh it's a very cool initiative that that we're very proud of uh that basically on the helmet of of uh of the athlete you put a sticker, and in that sticker uh, is a, a specific uh, code that you text to a phone number. When you text that code to a phone number, it has that athlete's uh, medical information, everything from past surgeries, allergies, emergency contacts. You can have scans of, uh, of, of accidents and any other pertinent information uh, so that when uh, an athlete gets hurt, if they're not conscious or you, know, you don't think that they can answer questions properly – uh, you text message to this pin code, you immediately get all their information. You can even from there, you press the button and it calls their emergency contacts or sends them a text message automatically saying, this athlete has been in trouble. Um, you know, you can reach us at this number and they'll be at XYZ hospital. Uh, so it's a very uh, interesting way how to use technology uh, that to have everyone's uh, information go with them. It's in the cloud. Right. So even when they go and play in different fields or race in different racetracks or whatever, they're taking their helmet with them. Um, their uh, important uh, safety information is, is, is always with them. Um, and that's something that we're, that we're very proud of. Cool. It's like a, a runner's ID or a road ID that exactly. runners and cyclists have. Yeah, it's really a good idea. For, yeah, but, but, but for athletes. So same thing. Cool. I can see that going to youth sports and yeah, that could definitely apply everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. That's great. Uh, where can people find you on social media and uh, on your website? Sure. So our, our, our website is motorsport-safety.org um, and uh, on Facebook as well, Motorsport Safety, uh, and on uh, Instagram, Motorsport Safety. Um, and uh, my my Instagram is hjcisneros. There you can see all my fun uh, fun videos, paragliding and, and all the other uh, uh, fun sports that I'm doing. And um, – and, you know, on, on our website, our motorsportsafety.org, uh, uh, you know, you'll be able to see, read on, on our initiatives, all the different things that we're doing. We have forums there for, uh, you know, so one of the things we provide is a, is an open space for people to have, bring an issue to light, you know, have, have both sides go at it. Uh, and hopefully from there we have, you know, we'll take ideas and then we'll, we'll run with them, right? So we have forums there for, for everyone to talk about these issues um, and to develop new, new initiatives as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll link that all that up in the show notes for everyone to, to look, look up and, and follow you. And to, to close out our conversation, I'll, I'll ask you the question I ask all my guests is, uh, what's your definition of toughness? Uh, being afraid to, uh, I mean, being uh, brave enough to stand for a change. I think we're seeing that a lot in, in, in uh, sports today for different reasons. But I think toughness is, is taking a stand and, and, and sticking to your gut and and being able to uh, see it through. Love it, Henrique. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and uh, starting a conversation of thinking outside the box on how we can kind of, you know, translate some of the best practices in motorsport into other sports to make them safer because I feel like you guys are kind of uh, leading the way in, in that world. 
Well, I appreciate the time and then thank you very much. Uh, it was a great interview.